brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. Okay, we're going to be talking uh, this week about post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. You know, this disorder is very sneaky. I mean, a lot of people, uh, police officers, uh, firemen, uh, people in, obviously in the military, uh, get hit with this disorder. And it sneaks up on you in some regards. And sometimes it happens over one traumatic event, over another and over another, and then eventually you tip over. But... You know, when you have to look at PTSD and what it's all about, you have to understand what the symptoms look like because PTSD can literally, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder can literally take over your life. You know, you know, set into motion by the experience of trauma directly or to others, PTSD, it might have roots in our biology as well as our experience and our individual aspects of perception, cognition, temperament, resilience. You know, psychotherapy like like trauma therapy and exposure therapy and medication all help treat the flashbacks. Also, the, the angry outbursts, the, the, the physical distress, the avoidant behaviors and other signs of the disorder, as well as coping with the experience in a healthy and adaptive manner. You know, therapy can do a lot to help people with post-traumatic stress disorder. And can they recover? Absolutely. But as long as they wait a long, long time and, and they keep those events uh, back in their mind and they and they don't get treated, what happens is you, the, it grows roots in there. And so the brain just holds on to it and ties more and more things to it. And that means it's more complicated to get rid of it. However, um, the first 30 days after a person experiences a trauma, if, if they're able to process that anxiety that they had in the first 30 days, generally PTSD doesn't take over. Now, so what is PTSD? Well, it's post-traumatic stress disorder is a trauma and and stress-related disorder that may develop after exposure to an event or ordeal in which death, severe physical harm, uh, violence has occurred or was threatened. Also, traumatic events that may trigger PTSD include uh, violent uh, personal assaults, uh, natural or unnatural disasters, accidents, military combat. You know, experiencing a life-threatening event or re-experiencing chronic exposure to abuse or the aftermath of an event can really lead to the development of PTSD. And what PTSD is basically is a sign that we do not have a coping skill to deal with it. It's too traumatic. It's something we've never experienced. And suddenly we have no coping skills, so we feel vulnerable. So the brain goes into a whole different uh, type of model, and the chemistry that affects it, we're going to talk about a little later, but you're basically, the the, the way your brain is designed gets rewired uh, with post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, 
you know, it affects about 8 million American adults. And that's just in the United States. And it can occur at any age, including childhood. And, and women are more likely to develop the disorder than men. And there is some evidence that it may run in families. You know, PTSD is frequently accompanied by depression, substance abuse, anxiety disorders. And, and when other conditions are appropriately diagnosed and treated, the likelihood of successful treatment increases. Roughly about 30% of Vietnam veterans developed PTSD. This, it's also been detected in as much as 10% of the Gulf War Desert Storm veterans, 6 to 11% of the veterans of Afghanistan's war, and about 12 to 20% of the veterans of the Iraq War. So, you know, for veterans, factors related to combat may further increase the PTSD because they're constantly being exposed to danger, being shot at, having to look out for themselves in dangerous situations or being exposed uh, to the enemy. There's all kinds of things that take place in combat that make the trauma experienced enormous. You know, what are some of the symptoms? You know, many people with PTSD tend to re-experience aspects of the traumatic event, especially when they're exposed to events and objects reminiscent of the trauma. So anniversaries of the event, similarities in a person, place, or, or circumstance can trigger the symptoms. People with PTSD also experience intrusive memories, flashbacks, emotional numbness, sleep disturbances, anxiety, intense guilt, sadness, irritability, outbursts of anger, and dissociative experiences. Many people with PTSD may try to avoid situations that remind them of the ordeal, and when symptoms last more than one month, PTSD is the diagnosis. The first month after trauma is called acute anxiety. PTSD usually steps in about 30 days later. Um, you know, Symptoms uh, associated with reliving a traumatic event are stuff like having bad dreams or distressing memories about the event or behaving or feeling as if the event were actually happening all over again. Uh, uh, dissociative reactions and, and loss of awareness of present surroundings. Also, having a lot of emotional feelings when reminded about the event or having a lot of physical sensations when reminded about the event. So, the heart might pound, uh, may even miss a beat, sweating, difficulty breathing, feeling faint, feeling a loss of control. You know, also, uh, the avoidance of the traumatic event has symptoms, too. And they avoid thoughts, conversations, feelings about it. They avoid people, activities, places associated with the event. Symptoms are usually uh, uh, negative changes in thought or mood or having difficulty remembering an important part of an original trauma or feeling numb or detached from things, lack of interest in social activities. They also may experience the inability to have positive moods, pessimism, arousal and reactivity symptoms also are a part of PTSD. Now, it doesn't mean if you don't have some of these that you don't have PTSD, but what it does mean is these symptoms are common as a part of this diagnosis. Uh, they also, that Most of them have sleeping difficulties, include, including uh trouble uh, falling or staying asleep, they have irritability, lots of anger, difficulty concentrating, feeling easily started, uh, the excess awareness about where they are. These are things that totally take over a person with PTSD. Now, as far as how the brain remembers trauma, it remembers trauma differently than it remembers normal things. And so it's really 
important to understand that the limbic system sits right above our brainstem, and that that limbic system has the ability to hold memory, and the memories in the limbic system are there to trigger fight or flight, and they're there to remind us that we're in danger. So if if you're being chased, for instance, by a woolly mammoth, you're going to remember that, and that memory is going to stay in your brain because... That is something you've never had happen before, and now your brain is saying, okay, th- when, we have, when we smell it, when we see it, when we hear it, this is what we have to do. And so there's always a hypervigilant to save yourself, and that limbic system is there to save you. However, the problem is it makes you hypervigilant all the time and easily triggered by things that aren't necessarily related to the traumatic event. Now, there's treatments like P, like uh, EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And that particular uh, treatment I am very fond of and uh, I use it quite regularly. And the reason is because what it does, and it is very interesting, what it does is it uses the brain's own mechanism to release the memory out of the limbic system and deliver it into the memory glands. And so if you can imagine, your memory glands are at the very back of your, in the bottom of your brain at the very back, and they're tied to your optic nerves. And so what happens is when you reprocess an event, when you go back over an event and you reprocess it, and it's like little train cars, you have to do it bit by bit, but in the middle, in between, every time you talk about the event, you break it up, and basically have to do the eye movement. Now, what happens is the brain thinks it's in the delta stage of sleep, the REM stage, when you have rapid eye movement. And so it thinks it's processing a dream. And so basically what it does is it begins to repross. And, and by the way, dreams are highly emotional things. That that's, it's, Your brain is basically spending your emotional energy that is left from the previous day creating dreams that actually allow your brain to process those dreams and process those emotions and get rid of them so you basically can have a fresh start the next day. However, with the the traumatic memory, since it's in the limbic system and not in the memory glands, we're actually living that event all the time in a fight or flight mode. So by doing EMDR, you're basically going to retell the story broken up by eye movement and basically the brain thinks it's in that delta stage of sleep and it moves it out of the limbic system and drops it into the memory gland. And so what happens is it's like a window that goes down between the event and you. So you're not there, you remember it, but it doesn't have the emotional charge that it once had. That is not psychology, folks. That's neurology. But that is the best treatment, the one endorsed by uh, the federal government, by the Army, the Navy, Marines, uh, uh, Air Force, uh the uh, all the uh, air marshals, FBI, CIA, and most police and fire departments, that treatment in particular is highly effective for almost immediately uh, lowering the level of the PTSD. However, if there are other events that are tied to that event or your brain has correlated other events that are tied to that event, what happens is you have to go back and reprocess those things too. But uh, that, that's just a little bit about EMDR. However, uh, we'll talk about that later a, a little bit more. But there's other strategies. You know, there's uh, family therapy. There is uh, brief therapy. There is um, 
basically in vivo, which is re-experiencing the traumatic event and showing it in a different light where it's safer, um, where you don't look at the event through the memory, you look at the event as it is. And, and there's all kinds of various treatments, the cognitive treatment with, 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 that can help. But that eye movement in particular, that particular therapy is one of the most effective. There's also equestrian therapy, which is they, basically a, a, a horse. You have to develop a relationship with the ho- horse. And the horses are very tied to our nervous system. They can detect our nervous system enormously well. So you have to learn how to calm yourself down to be able to develop the relationship with the horse. And so what that does is that allows your brain has to reprogram itself to identify with that horse and to be safe. And so the equestrian therapy also has a very strong effect on getting rid of PTSD because you yourself have to process it out in order to develop the relationship with the horse. And so um, there's medications also. Uh, Paxil is one. And uh, it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good for that. And Zoloft, that's another one that they often use uh, to treat uh, PTSD. Those kind of take the edge off. They're antidepressants. But they also assist in, in relaxing the brain. They don't necessarily get rid of the PTSD, but it lessens the symptomology. So, uh, you know, there's all kinds of ways that PTSD can be treated. However, a lot of people will just stuff it and destroy their family and destroy their relationships, destroy their life and allow PTSD to just take them over. And that means they have to walk around the disease, the disorder their whole life. They have to avoid things that trigger them. They have to recognize what's triggering them. So they just sit with it instead of just face it and deal with it and treat it. And you should never, if you have PTSD, you should never go to somebody that's not an expert at treating crisis because this particular disorder calls for an expert, it's a specialist, somebody that's very good at treating PTSD. You can't just pick anybody. You really need to get somebody that is effective and that's been in the business for a long time and knows how to do it. All right. Now, you know, trauma If we look at the family, you know, trauma once experienced seems never uh, to let go. It it can burrow in your psyche. It it evades your thoughts. It unleashes mood swings and depression and anger and and an exhausting sense of hypervigilance. And so what this does is it affects family. You know, if you think about there was a study conducted at the University of Zurich and it had basically attempted to pinpoint the processes that underline uh, the, the hereditary trauma uh, of PTSD. This type of trauma basically has been observed by psychologists who saw that children can sometimes show the same behavioral issues as the traumatized. And that means that if you're raising a child and you have PTSD, that child may actually pick up the symptomology themselves that they see in their parent. And so, um, you know, it's important for us to recognize the problems that PTSD can, t- can lead a- to us and how it affects our family. It- it's, uh, it's a very, very, very uh, easily picked up uh, diagnosis that can move on through a family and actually could just take over. You know, if, if you, this study showed that, that 
the, the traumatized mice in the study showed markedly different behavior than the non-stressed mice. And the behavioral symptoms were passed on to the next generation via sperm, even though the offspring weren't exposed to the trauma themselves. The offspring of the stressed mice had lower insulin and blood sugar levels. And in an analysis of the study, uh, they were able to demonstrate for the first time that traumatic experiences affect metabolism in the long term, and these changes are hereditary, and that affects the metabolism and behavior goes way beyond the immediate offspring, persisting into uh, oftentimes even the third generation. So once PTSD is there, it also changes your own biology. It can changes your own genetics, and it actually can be passed on from generation to generation, and it, then it's reinforced by the non-treated uh, person that originally had the PTSD. You know, also, if you look at children of veterans of P- PTSD, while the thought that hereditary can play a, a part in trauma is startling, it's not only the way trauma is shared across generations. You know, children of a parent struggling with post traumatic stress disorder can sometimes develop their own PTSD called secondary PTSD. And in a sense, the parent's trauma becomes the child's own, and their behavioral and emotional issues can mirror that of the parent. You know, uh, there's some estimates that about 30% of the kids with a parent who served in Iraq or Afghanistan, about 1.5 million, are struggling due to their parents' struggles with PTSD. And of course, trauma does not grow only from wartime. It can spring from any event, a personal tragedy, a crime, an act of terrorism, anything that has the power to disturb our emotional equilibrium. Trauma travels through society as well as uh, genera- uh, generationally. And there's another thing. If you witnessed like 9-11 that happened before our eyes on TV, many people had residual PTSD after that event. Not just the people there, but the people that actually watched it on television. It's amazing how this diagnosis can take over and it can happen and it happens almost immediately. Um, You know, diagnosing trauma can be very tricky, but there are a couple of... uh, things that we can look for that we can try to uh, get to it. And once again, what we want to do is use the PTSD types of treatments to see if it helps. And if it doesn't help, it tells you oftentimes that it's not trauma. It could be medical. There could be something else that's causing this particular uh, type of symptoms. You know, um, preventing trauma from taking hold. Here's what you want to do. You want to help people that have trauma. First of all, you know, we, they need to get treatment because otherwise it will destroy their life or destroy their family. And, and, and you do not, if somebody has PTSD in a family, you need to treat the whole family because they're affected by it. They're affected by that person's behavior and inability uh, to, to live a healthy life. And also you want to help kids cope and understand the PTSD and, and, and teach them about it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about relationships and PTSD. Come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. 
visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Now, we're going to talk about it in the frame of uh, relationships because... Sadly, a lot of relationships and families get destroyed by PTSD when it's not treated. And as I was saying in the previous segment, PTSD is highly treatable. You just have to find an expert who can deal it, d- d- do that kind of treatment. But the bottom line is, is it needs to be treated. If you have it and you are affecting your relationship and your family, don't destroy that. Get the thing treated. Some people are just too proud. They suck it up and they, they, they just live with it. Now, you know, it truly affects relationships because it comes randomly. It comes by being triggered by something and it can come at any time. And so what that does is it affects everybody because the trust and the bond that they have in a relationship and in a family are very strong, but they're all about trusting each other. But when a person has post-traumatic stress disorder, a day can go from happy to very stressed and traumatized, and everybody has to feel that effect. 
you know, stress is, in my experience, one of the most uh, biggest things that destroys a relationship because PTSD uh, causes such a strong reaction that it basically uh, develops a sense of exhaustion because of the energy that is spent around it. Uh, for instance, if you could think about taking your family to someplace like Disneyland or Disney World and suddenly you get triggered by a ride and now you have to leave. Now you have to leave. So guess who else has to leave? The whole family, the relationship. Everything gets affected by these triggers. Everybody suffers from the triggers. And so unfortunately, you know, it creates a lot of experiences that get dulled down or have to be avoided because they will trigger. So the first thing that happens in a relationship is detachment and avoidance. They either sleep a lot or sleep a little. Uh, sleep, they either sleep a lot or don't sleep at all. They don't sleep very well. They don't get into the REM stage of sleep uh, because their brain wants to avoid memories and wants to avoid dramatic events. And so basically the sleep uh, just kind of doesn't give them the rest that they need. Uh, they're also always scared to do stuff. You know, they they get scared of so many things that, that it's hard for them. Imagine uh, some people can't even go into Walmart or go into a mall or go into any open space because they're too scared to because of the event that they were traumatized in. There's a lot of emotional detachment in relationships. There's also a, a physical exhaustion often experienced by that partner, uh, maybe by both. Uh, there's also avoidance behavior that prevents joint activities, and uh, there's just a huge wall there, and it stands between the two people that are in a relationship. The worst things are not being able to see the partner that has PTSD for real and, and feeling so terrified for them and what they're going through. And so basically, the triggers of post-traumatic stress disorder leaves the other partner who doesn't have it to be traumatized because they're trying to help and they love you, but they can't seem to fix it. You know, um, also the, the, the spotty memories, the, the memory gets deeply affected by post-traumatic stress disorder and memory is what our legacy is. Making memories is what life is all about. That's what we leave behind when we die. We may leave money, we may leave things, but the deal is memories are how our life lives on. Well, these folks that have post-traumatic stress disorder get dulled down memories. They, they don't have the big powerful memories as much as they could have because they lose out on that because they avoid. They avoid, avoid, and so does the partner. They are also affected because they can't enjoy great things with their partner very often and uh, or they have to just experience dulled down memories to avoid being traumatized. Also, you know, it, it, it develops a codependency. If the relationship is strong, it turns into a codependent relationship because the, the, the partner of the person with post-traumatic stress disorder has to cater to the, the trauma. And oftentimes, uh, they can't even talk about the trauma because the person that has PTSD avoids talking about it. And so... Um, you know, they they it, they also oftentimes people with PTSD will will go into escapism. Uh, they go into a bubble, like they get addicted to computer games or something something that can occupy their time or fixing stuff in the garage. You know, and oftentimes also they have a suicidal type of lifestyle, which means that they don't take care of themselves 
or they actually think about suicide and talk about suicide. And so PTSD has a it's a it's enormously captivating disorder once again that can be treated. They also many people that have PTSD have distorted perceptions where they they have the inability to see their partner because of the way their trauma eclipsed them. And so basically they see everything through the eyes of the traumatic event. Um, they also have uh, hyperarousal. Uh, they have addictive tendencies. Uh, they uh, often talk about wanting to kill themselves, and, and it causes the partner, the person that's with the person with PTSD, fear, concern, worry, and stress. Can you imagine having to worry about somebody committing suicide all day, every day, somebody you love? That's crazy. It's a crazy thing to have to live through that, and especially with something that can be treated. Um, you know, there's a lot of painful emotions that are attached to PTSD. There's also a grief of losing your life prior to the event that you once had and all the possibilities because of the PTSD. You know, what happens when you have PTSD, you want to go to therapy. And the earlier you treat it, the better out for the outcome. You know, at a certain point, you come across a great loss that was sitting underneath the trauma all along. And, and you, you, you know, you think grief is there. You also, people with PTSD renegotiate their relationship with their religion, with their God. They, they oftentimes view their religion or their God entirely different. And that is because the disorder was so traumatic. You know, uh, depression often accompanies PTSD. It's, it's kind of, it's called a comorbid diagnosis. And if a person has both PTSD and depression together or any other mental illness, they will abandon their partner to even a greater degree than if they just suffer from PTSD alone. You know, uh, there's many issues that dis disrupt uh, intimacy uh, with PTSD that, that I'm going to review right now. And that is uh, problems with trust. You know, they can't trust anyone anymore, including their partner. And every argument you ever have in your life is going to be a trust issue. And, uh, you know, problems with closeness. They, they won't allow themselves to be vulnerable. Uh, less interest in social activities. They want to stay at home. Uh, they may not care about other people. They may fear social activities on some level. Less interest in sex. Sex may be triggering for them, actually. And that amount of closeness may feel foreign and intrusive if you're used to being numb and detached. And, and, and they may disassociate during sex and not be in their body or they may develop a sex addiction to cope with it. So they may be over sex. Maybe that is what makes them feel safe. But it's a coping skill. It's not love. And, and so, once again, it's a symptomology of the PTSD. Also, they have challenges with listening and focusing and concentrating on what's going on and what is being spoken about right now. They are oftentimes not fully present or available you know, and so they're not focused. They have also uh, problems with communication, issues with uh, coming off demanding, uh, difficulty knowing how to collaborate well with other people. And all those PTSD symptoms may lead to the, the survivor to feel like a variety of challenging emotions regarding their partner, like guilt, helplessness, self-doubt regarding their own motives in the relationship, like worry and confusion. You know, that this these things affect a relationship, and it's enormous for a relationship to have to carry the burden. 
you know also there's this this detachment that they often have and this affects the relationship there's an emotional detachment from feeling distant numb shut down and they also try to handle on all their symptoms they may take the survivor's attention away from their partner and the relationship is so detached so they focus on the trauma rather than the trauma becomes them so they detach from their partner they, they also maybe have dulled senses, and that's how they deal with it. They try to stuff it, and so they just dull down all of their senses. They don't feel the same. They don't feel the same love. They don't feel any emotion to any degree, to any kind of great degree. They also uh, lack uh, of uh, mentalization and, and empathy. They may not be able to sense the, the mental and emotional states underlying uh, their behavior, and it makes it hard for their partner to feel understood and gotten, you know, uh, and uh, they also oftentimes lack that sense of empathy and that directly affects a relationship. They also, uh, once again, they love avoidance. You know, the trauma survival will avoid any activity that could trigger their memory. And they also have problems with, with memory. They can't remember things in the past, in general, with their partner, with their family, it, they, it, it seems like they just don't care, but they really do. They really do. Um, they're kind of grieving the life that they lost, you know, and, and they also uh, can't remember specifically anything good they did with their partner. They can't remember day-to-day responsibilities, promises. They can't remember moment-to-moment plans. And they also have problems processing information and problem-solving and making decisions. Suddenly, they become... Uh, a little bit drifty. They they lose their character. You know, they may end up depending a lot on their partners and their fan, family and their friends due to the overwhelming and disabling nature of their symptoms. And they also may stay in an abusive situation due to believing that their their reactions are triggers due to the PTSD, not valid responses to the present situation. So they may write off abuse that they're currently experiencing to the PTSD. And so, you know, they so they basically would stay in a situation like that. And they also, um, they may leave a healthy situation because they feel guilty about how their post-traumatic stress disorder is affecting them. They also uh, have these addictive tendencies. Uh, they attempt to cope with it through, through alcoholism or drugs. And um, they also have that, 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 that grief that sense of grief that, that they stay buried and unrecognized and resolved, unresolved because the trauma symptoms dominate. So I'm, I'm really trying to strongly define uh, PTSD for you so that you understand what is happening and how it's happening. You know, the, these um, people with post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, we don't want to say this, but they, you know, we talked earlier about it, but suicidality is a big thing for them. They may not talk about it, but they feel it and they think it. And, and possible urges to do self-harm may or may not be present, but you always have to look for that. They also like uh, risk-taking behavior, um, trying to uh, accidents happen, like uh, traffic accidents and, and uh, hurting themselves, uh, becoming kind of dizzy or, or you know, falling when they normally didn't before. And that's because they're preoccupied. Um, they also often have suicidal de- uh, ideation, which are uh, thoughts or feelings desiring to commit suicide. And they, they oftentimes will speak of suicide and death. And they also sometimes make attempts 
of suicide. So, you know, the effect on the partner that has a partner with post-traumatic stress disorder is often feeling alone, feeling abandoned, feeling rejected, cut off, hurt, down, helpless, and confused. And these oftentimes have to be addressed. That's why you have to treat both the relationship and the post-traumatic stress disorder person. The partner that is experiencing a partner with PTSD often is angry at their partner or distant uh, toward their partner. They, They feel sorrow. They feel pressured. They feel controlled, abused, trapped by the dependencies. And uh, they also feel a sense of loss of their partner, and yet their partner is still there. And so we have to look at how this thing affects a relationship and treat it. you got to get in front of it. You can't just peacefully exist with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. It's just impossible to do. And um, so, you know, the, uh, the other big thing is there's been a lot of studies on people and families that uh, have to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder, and that is health problems, big time. Lots of health problems come about with people with post-traumatic stress disorder. Stress is a huge trigger. It will age you. It will cause your brain to want to trigger your exit strategy. Basically, if you have cancer, if you have heart disease, whatever, diabetes, whatever's out there in your genetics that will take you naturally out of life, the brain, once it tires of stress, will actually turn that gene on and uh, guess what? It will go till the end of your life and it will come back and will come back until it eventually takes you unless uh, modern medicine can actually cure it. So, so it's very, very important to understand that, you know, stress is one of the biggest uh, things that causes people to go to the hospital, that causes things to happen to our organ or uh, our organs. It also lowers our uh, white blood cell count enormously so that our body cannot process out viruses and things like that. So we become highly, highly uh, more vulnerable medically than we do as normal people without post-traumatic stress disorder. So once again, let's talk about it. We're going to talk about how to treat it. We're going to talk about what it does to the brain. And we're going to talk about nightmares. Come right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I've worked a lot of uh, crisis situations uh, in where PTSD took place in groups. Uh, maybe it's police officers that have experienced it as, as a group. But what's, what's really these first responders, people that are first responders to any kind of incident are oftentimes going to be exposed or potentially get PTSD from traumatic events. But what happens is if you're able to process within a group context, meaning that you sit everybody down and everybody tries to remember the incident through their own eyes, what happens is not only your perception suddenly gets brought into the picture, but the reality of other people's perception gets brought in. Because your your brain, basically, let's say you go through, somebody's stalking you and it's nighttime. Well, suddenly your hearing, your brain is going to switch on your hearing and make it hypervigilant while maybe your eyesight may not be as good and maybe your you know sense of smell may not be as good. So it'll take away and heighten one of your senses, whatever that sense is that's going to uh, make you live. And so basically you're in survival mode in a traumatic event and your brain is going to overexpose one of your senses to keep you alive. And if you understand that, and you understand that the event is taking place in a group where a lot of people are taking it in from different perspectives, their senses may be different that they're using to get through the traumatic event. And so basically everybody that experiences a traumatic event is going to remember it mostly through the sense that they had to use to survive. And so that means their perceptions are all going to be different. And so getting them in a room to be able to talk about the incident, the critical incident, you're going to get exposed to all different perceptions. You're also going to be exposed to how they're dealing with it. And oftentimes you're able to get rid, if, if you do it right away after the traumatic event, right away meaning a day or two or even a few hours, what happens is that those symptoms of PTSD don't always go away, but they become a lot less. And you develop a group that is able to help each other move through the possibility of dealing with the traumatic event before it grows into post-traumatic stress disorder. So group therapy with first responders is oftentimes first responders, meaning the people that originally experienced the event in vivo, in life, that those folks, if they reprocess that event, oftentimes, once again, it gets rid of the PTSD symptomology. That, you know, if you think about PTSD, think about going to see like a scary movie for the first time. You know, you, you, you get home uh, and you have nightmares. You don't sleep well and, and just whatever because you're, you, you were at a scary movie. But if you see the same movie over and over by the third day, it's still a little scary, but it's not that bad. The tenth time, the cheerleader gets her, her, her neck cut off. Here's the blood, and now the chainsaw, and now I'm getting bored. It's the same principle with explosions. You know, you, you, you stay with the experience repeatedly until it starts to dissipate. The explosion starts to be less impactful, and it's called habitation. And so, uh, you know, vivid, terrifying moments become memory emblazoned on our emotional circuitry. And the symptoms are signs of an over-aroused amygdala 
uh, impelling vivid memories of a traumatic event to intrude on your awareness. And these memories sound an alarm and at, at, at the least hint the moment is about to happen again. And a hundred thousands of people each year endure disasters and many come away with emotional wounding that leaves its imprint on the brain. So victims of violence feel they have been in, intentionally selected as a target of, of, of uh, and so within an instant, the social world becomes a dangerous place where people are, are potential threats to your safety and the neural basis of these memories appears to be altercations to the chemistry of the brain, the brain and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And it sets in motion an overwhelming terror and, and similar results can come from uh, horrible things or cruelties uh, in, in not being able to heal because we keep retelling whatever happened in sordid details, including what they saw, what they heard, what they smell, what they felt. And so that it just continues to reinforce itself in the brain and the fight or flight reactions stay there. And so, you know, making a a taboo of mentioning strange experiences, which may have been related or, or created the PTSD is not a good thing. You want to talk. You want to talk about it. And the more you talk about it, the more you bring it to your conscious and the more you bring awareness. But you don't want to talk about it just to talk about it. You want to talk about it in a way of finding a way for your brain to relax and cope with the memory and see it from a different perception. You know, approximately uh, 50% of the uh, the, 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 the population of PTSD will experience a, a traumatic event at some point in our life. 50% of our population of this world will experience a traumatic event at some point. And, and while reactions to trauma can, can vary widely and not everyone will develop post-traumatic stress disorder, trauma can change the brain. And in some uh, predictable ways that everyone should be aware of, especially if you or someone close to you is struggling to cope with trauma. So with increased awareness, you can seek treatment to address your symptoms and learn skills that could actually rewire your brain for recovery. You know, your brain is a muscle and, and it, it, can, it can counter uh, balance whatever's going on. It can actually, you can find different areas of your brain that will help you cope differently and the brain can be rewired. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not uh, hypnosis or anything like that, but basically your brain follows your thoughts. And so if you put your thoughts in a way that your brain is not having to think in terms of fight or flight, you're obviously going to change and create new highways of letting you cope with things a lot differently than if you just keep focusing on the trauma itself. So, you know, trauma can alter brain functionally uh, um, in the prefrontal cortex, which is your thinking center. It also can affect your anterior uh, cingulate cortex, and that's, that's known as your emotional resolution center, and the amygdala, known as the fear center. And so, if you think about that, those three areas of the brain are what makes us human. And, and so, what happens is our human experience uh, is affected by these things and and when the you you know traumatized brains look different from non-traumatized brains the thinking center is is underactivated the emotional regulation center is underactivated and the fear center is hyper vigilantly overactivated and so what these uh, activations indicate 
is that the brain is often bottom heavy, meaning that activations of lower, more primal areas, including the fear center, are, are much stronger. So the, basically the brain stem is always on hyper alert. And so the poor people that have post-traumatic stress disorder have huge affects on how their brain is being uh, how their brain is being used. And so the the incident dehumanizes them. And so what we want to do is bring their senses back by disposing of those memories. And and like I said, when I was talking about EMDR, I really meant it because first of all, most of these people have lacked sleep or deep sleep for a long time. And once again, these memories grow roots. So all of a sudden, they can't go to Walmart. All of a sudden, you can't go to a baseball game. All of a sudden, you can't go anywhere in the public. Because if the incident happened out in the middle of a crowd, that's what you're going to correlate. And so anything having to do with a crowd, you're going to get away from it. Because you don't feel safe. Uh, you feel scared. And nobody wants to feel scared. And so what happens is the brain becomes basically a brain stem. It becomes fear-based, fight-or-flight-based. And your whole life is about living in, in, in a guarded way rather than, and you're always on hyper alert rather than living your life. And, you know, if you look at civilizations, and it's very interesting to think about this, if you've ever been to a third world country, you're going to see a lot of people where security and loyalty are about the only thing that they worry about on a continuous basis. They're not going to build the, the the spaceship to go to the moon. They're not going to go out. They're not going to be looking at, at higher human things. They're talk, They're looking at survival. How do I survive? And, and so people that live in third world countries have a great disadvantage because basically they live in a sense of post-traumatic stress disorder. They're not safe. They can't even trust their own police. Now here we look at the United States, we look at Europe, we look at all the safe countries around the world. Those are the, those are the, the civilizations that evolve and that create new things and, and that, that build things from science and, and work very hard at educational activity and, and, and making your life more human, more safe, and more enjoyable. So the safer people are, the better their brain thinks. So when you're looking at somebody with PTSD, you're basically looking at somebody that lives in a third world country. That's how they operate and that's where they're stuck. And so the deal is you want to unstick it and that's why you've got to help Get that brain rewired. Now, nightmares are the biggest thing. It, it is uh, this traumatic experience. That basically, it, it becomes, it develops a symptom that is particularly unique, and it's called re-experiencing or, or flashbacks. And this is when the memory of the trauma is in, involuntarily recalled and usually triggered by cues in the environment that are somehow associated to the trauma. So the, these intrusive trauma memories can be remarkably vivid and overwhelming, and their experiences that they're really happening right then and there. I remember in Houston when I was living with my sister during the summer, uh, there was a guy that used to patrol the uh, roof. On, he was in Vietnam. He was in Vietnam and came back, and he used to patru pa uh, patrol the roof of the apartment complex all night long, all night long. And that's all he did. He never he slept during the day, and then he patrolled the roof at night. And that's because he was reliving his experiences of post-traumatic stress disorder. Also, um, you know, in general, the nightmares are very intense than the regular dreams and are similar to waking uh, back into the flashback of memories. They also contain replays of the actual traumatic event 
and more scenes of death and violence than normal dreams. And so basically the brain will fill in the gap with uh, memories of the traumatic experience in a different way. It, and it may even actually build on the traumatic experience and, and create something more than what the traumatic experience was to make it even more traumatizing. So basically it adds on. And so a lot of people with PTSD suffer from re-experiencing nightmares that incorporate clear elements or even contain exact replications of a traumatic event. And then they add on to those events and may go beyond them. Another 20 to 25% of PTSD patients experience post-traumatic stress nightmares that are not an exact replay of the memory, but they will often be symbolic or indirectly related to the traumatic event. And many times, the people that have those kind of nightmares, that will carry on into triggering them out in their regular life because that memory basically replays as a normal memory, as a real memory. And so now they add on to their traumatic event and they have more triggers in their real life because their brain will actually invent uh, problems that are correlated to the original trauma. So it grows and it grows and it grows. And so that's why this disorder is so important to be treated. You know, the question remains whether post-traumatic nightmares may be adaptive over time. And if they are, we would expect them to become less distressful over time as symptoms improve. And even in the general population, having recurrent dreams is associated with higher levels of distress and lower psychological well-being. And so it, it seems that recurrent bad dreams or nightmares are revealing some unsolved conflict that keeps replaying during sleep. However, the, the, the backing off of the dream is also so associated with increased psychological well-being. If you could somehow treat the traumatic event, there's less affect of nightmares at night. And that because the brain is no longer having to churn through that event over and over and over again. You know, targeted treatment of nightmares of PTSD is, is basically creates relief of all the symptoms. So, you know, sometimes treating the nightmares will help people in, with PTSD. Now, once again, I, I was talking about EMDR and, and eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Very simple thing. It's neurology. It's not psychology. And it's basically replaying, reprocessing the event with the brain thinking it's in the delta stage of sleep by doing the eye movement. So what you do is you basically talk to the event. So you started the, before the event happened all the way through the event and beyond the event. And basically you do it in little bits and pieces. So maybe for a minute you're going to talk about that event. Then you're going to stop. You're going to do eye movement. And then you're going to go back into the event and stop. You do eye movement. And then you go back in the event. Then we check on the symptoms to see, oh, how are you feeling about it now? And basically that mindfulness helps a person get better from the PTSD. It moves that limbic memory into the memory glands. Very, very important for post-traumatic stress disorder. All right, that's our show. Our next show is Forensic Psychology Killer Profiles. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or... Twitter at DRGBMFT. Now remember, the typical narcissist, narcissist, you know, they would say something like this. Some people mix uh, disliking me with not wanting to sleep with me. I don't get that. This is a quote from Zsa Zsa Gabor. I want a man that is kind and understanding. 
Is that too much to ask of a millionaire? That's our show. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.